Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to get up here and follow up. Um, that worship and then the announcement that we're getting a new building. Um, it's pretty, pretty, pretty exciting yeah. news to let me get up here and be like, so guys, wanna listen to me talk a little while? So, but uh, I mean, I, it's, it's incredible. I'm super excited. Um, and like Matt said, dude, that's just, it's all thanks to all of you that have been pouring into this for so long. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just incredible and exciting, so I can't wait for that. Um, but anyways, to, to get on with uh, what I'm about to say, the title of my message today is Revival Vision. All right? Revival Vision. Yeah, come on. Um, to start off today, I'm going to be coming out of Acts. Um, it, it's in Acts 2, um, 17 through 21. And this is, this is Peter speaking to the crowd. Okay, is it up there? It is up there. Perfect. Um, this is Peter speaking to the crowd. Okay, he's reciting scripture from the Old Testament. He's reciting a prophecy from the prophet Joel. Okay, um, I think the translation that I have is a little bit different than what's on the screen, just because I like the, the wording a little bit better. So I'm just going to read it for you guys. I'm starting in verse 17, it just says, "In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men." will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to keep going here. Good. Uh, Jesus, I just pray over this time right now that, uh, that Jesus, you would just, you would anoint these words, that you would open up our ears and our hearts to be able to receive these words, to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. That in this time, you would be magnified, you would be glorified, God, and that you would just set our hearts ablaze for you, God, that you would renew our spirits, Jesus. Yes, Lord. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Alright, so revival vision. Alright, revival. What what in the heck is revival? I mean, I'm sure somebody has been wanting to know that over the last couple months here because we've been we've been talking about it a lot. Um, Zach mentioned it up here earlier speaking of revival. I know that I've mentioned it multiple times over the last couple months. Adrian preached about a revival kit a few weeks ago. But what is it actually though? What is revival? Um, if you, I mean, if you want to be, you know, just a, a basic, simple definition here, um, revival is just something being revived, right? Yeah. Something being brought back to life, being you know, restored to its previous condition. Wow. 
Okay, and, and what we are seeing in the book of Acts here is exactly that. Okay, we when 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 Peter is talking here throughout the entire book of Acts, that's what we see is the actual it's it's the first Holy Spirit revival. Okay, this is um, this is just after Jesus has been crucified and buried in the tomb, raised again. He showed himself to his disciples, and he ascended back into heaven. Okay, this is a, this is just after that's happened. And Matt has preached pretty heavily over the last couple months about you know Jesus's instructions to his disciples after that all happened, when before he was returning to heaven. Um, but he told them to wait in Jerusalem in the upper room, wait for that um, that the Spirit came upon them, right? That dynamic power of God came upon them. They're to wait there, and. Like I said, this scripture is taking place just after that. It's taking place right after they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? They've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're, they're speaking in tongues, and, and people are questioning them, saying they're drunk and all this kind of stuff. Right? They don't know what's going on. So Peter here in this scripture, he just lays it out for them in a way that will be very easy for them to understand. Okay, Because in this time, the people that he is saying this to the people that he's, he's reciting this scripture to they, they would have known this Old Testament scripture because to them there was no Old Testament or New Testament this was right. just the test this is the testament this is what this is the scripture they have there's only one testament at this point okay so they would know what he's talking about they would they would have heard this before they would have read this scripture before yeah um but basically what he's saying is, guys, this, this is now. This prophecy is, it, the time is now. Every prophecy that, that God gives to someone has a time when that will come to fruition. And this is it. Okay, He's, he's just setting them up, letting them know, this is the time when the Spirit, when God's Spirit is going to be poured out on all people. Yeah. This is the time when we are going to see People having visions. People are going to have dreams from God. This is the, this is it. This is the time that we've been waiting for. It's it's actually here right now. Yeah. This is we're living in the time that that it's that was prophesied about a long time ago by Joel. Okay. And we can see throughout the book of Acts that he is one hundred percent correct. Like that, starting there, that is the start of you know that that's the time. That's when it's all happening. Uh, that's the, the start of when the Holy Spirit, um, the, the, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God, being imparted on people who call on the name of Jesus. That, that's when we see that happen. Okay. Now, if you haven't read through the book of Acts, do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Read it. Read through the entire thing. Yeah. Please. It's incredible. Everything that it accounts is just awesome. Um because when you do read it, it's, I mean, dude, you'll see some crazy, insane, powerful, Holy Spirit type stuff that happens. Yeah. And it's just, it, it blows you away. Yeah. Okay, the, the things that actually happen. Um, but just in the book of Acts, just to give you a glimpse if you haven't really read through it, um, it mentions people communicating directly with the Holy Spirit. It mentions people being healed from sickness and disease and from healed from being crippled. It mentions people being raised back from the dead, yeah. like totally dead, dead, being brought back to life. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
it mentions all of this stuff, but it also mentions the thousands and thousands of people that are touched by this wave of the Spirit that just shoots through the entire region. Yeah. All these miracles and everything happening, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming to know Jesus and, and, and be saved yeah. by Jesus, okay? Um, so that's what the book of Acts is all about. It's, it's incredible. And quick side note, too, um, just about miracles in general. I feel like I've said this before, um, but God loves to set his people free from things yeah. and, and from bondage and, and heal and perform these miracles. Yeah. Um, but I just, I have a, this inclination that a miracle isn't simply for a miracle's sake. Um, I truly believe that a, when a miracle happens, when, when God performs a miracle, it's more so about the testimony of that miracle. It's more so about somebody seeing what has happened and believing yeah. and coming to know Jesus through that right. um, and be, being drawn into Jesus by the, the, the signs of the Holy Spirit that they've seen. Okay, that's the real power of the miracle. Yeah. I mean, it's great that somebody's healed. Like, dude, God, we're, we're able to lay hands on someone in Jesus' name and they're healed. That's incredible. But think about the testimony that that builds in everybody that sees that. Right. Yeah. It's like, whoa, dude, this Jesus guy, I need to know that guy. Right. Because yeah. that's, I've never seen something happen like that before. So, sorry, that's just a side note on, on miracles and that kind of thing. All right. Yeah. Um, but these are the things that we see happen in this, this first Holy Spirit revival that's taking place in Acts. And I, I say it's the first revival because there have been many more revivals since yes. then. Okay? Right. Um, all over the world, including the United States, as recent as like the 1990s, early 2000s, there have been some crazy reports of revival. Yeah. Okay? And to be honest with you, up until like this past year or so, I didn't I didn't know a whole lot about that. Right. Um, that's not something I, I I don't ever want to talk ill of the church because the church has done a lot of incredible things. I think one thing that the church has really done a, a, a disservice to people with is actual church history of the things that have happened in the church yeah, right. and and spreading the word of the things that have happened. Like I just said, the, the testimony of miracles builds faith and brings people in. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's overlooked and in certain, you know, you get into the battle of denominations and people can get sidetracked with, well, I don't know if that really happens, so I'm not going to talk anything about it. Like, whatever. Instead of investigating for themselves, it's, no, that's not something that happens. Um, but this stuff is, has been documented. It's actually happened. Uh, so, like I said, I really didn't know a whole lot about anything to do with revival. I thought that, um, you know, revival was just church speak for like, oh, we're, we're seeing a little bit of growth, so this must be revival. Um, I, I legit, like, that's what I thought. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand the full meaning right. behind revival. Um, but when I started looking deeper into what revival actually is, I was pretty blown away uh, by you know, what you can find with just a simple uh, Google search on the old internet. You can find a lot of stuff. <laughs> Zach is, is perfect. He sends me stuff all the time where he's just like, dude, look up this revival. And I'm like, all right, I'll look it up. And it's usually it's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, every time it's awesome. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so um, that's exactly what I did, though. Okay, I took a, kind of a deep dive into some articles and 
you know, good old YouTube videos, that kind of thing. Oh, Just yeah. all this stuff about these revivals that, that have been documented, okay? It's been incredible movements of the Holy Spirit that there are actually records of, okay? Um, so I'm just going to give you a, a little idea here of some of the revivals that have taken place, okay, by, by touching on just a few that have happened strictly like in the United States, okay? I'm not going to go throughout the entire world, just in, just in the U.S. Um, so we're going to have a little history lesson here. If you're a nerd like me, if you're a nerd like me, I used to be very intrigued in history class, whereas like 90% of the class is like checking out. So if you were in the other 90%, don't check out, all right? Just take, take some notes, okay? I promise this will be more exciting than your normal history class because it's about Jesus, okay? It's about God. So starting back in the 1730s, okay? No, that's a long time ago. Before the United States of America was even a thing, all right, it's it was just the colonies at that point, all right. So at that time, there was the first revival in America, and it was called the Great Awakening. Okay, um, when the Great Awakening started, uh, that's a name that they gave that movement afterwards, obviously, because usually when you're in the middle of it, you don't understand what's going on. Okay. But with, when the Great Awakening started, started in Massachusetts. And over the course of a six-month time frame, 300 people gave their life to Jesus in a town that was had a population of barely over 1,000 people. Yeah. So when you're looking at one in every three to four people is being saved, coming right. to know Jesus in this, wow. this six-month time frame. Like it's, it's just, it spreads pretty quickly in this town. And from there, it spread throughout the rest of the colonies like crazy, okay? By the time that it came to the end of the 1730s, over 700,000 people had come to see this guy, George Whitfield, okay? Oh, yeah. um, he, was the, he was the preacher that was leading the charge of, of this revival at the time, okay? Over 700,000 people had seen him preach in person. That's the only way back then you see somebody you hear a message is in person, right? right. So 700,000 people had come to see him preach, and presumably a large number of those, if they're coming to see him preach, gave their lives to Jesus right. in that time frame. And that happened at a time when the colony's total population was only about 900,000 people. Okay, so that is a mass movement to Jesus. That's 80% of the people that lived in the colonies were moving to Jesus. Like, that's it's just insane, okay? So that's just some numbers for you from that movement, all right? Then, at the beginning of the 1800s, so, you know, fast forward 60 years or so, all right, from the end of the, like, 1730s, um, the year 1800 comes around, and it's they call it the Second Great Awakening. Okay, so you had this, you know, roughly 60-year period um, since the first Great Awakening had taken place, and you know, during that time, the U.S. had obviously fought for and won its independence. Okay, and because of that, the population had just exploded throughout the country. Okay, um, however, the number of Christians in America hadn't really kept pace with that population growth, okay? So over the course of those 60 years, by the time the year 1800 comes around, the U.S. has a population now of over 5 million people, 
okay? But only about 7% of them knew Jesus, all right? So you went from 1939, when 80% of people had at least been to the revival meetings, presumably almost that same number are saved by Jesus, because I mean, you're not gonna sit in a revival and see that and then go on with your life like normal. Right. That's not gonna happen. Right. Um, well, you go from having 80% of the population that's involved in that to, eight, to the year 1800 when only 7% of people know Jesus. Yeah. Like that is, that's insane, a huge, huge dip in yeah. the number of people that know Jesus at that time, yeah. okay? Um, but then this revival starts down in Kentucky of all places, which <laughs> don't ask me, Kentucky must be holy for some reason, I don't know. Um, been there one time and Probably not. Zach says it's awesome. I probably don't have a reason to go back. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it starts in Kentucky, and there are spiritual manifestations that are happening. Okay, people are being healed and and speaking in tongues and, and prophesying, and and once again, you know, it starts to spread like crazy because a, a move of God cannot be contained. Right. right. Like once it starts happening, once a revival starts, it's going. Come on. So. Come on. That, that all starts and um, it, it just keeps spreading for like, it's, it's like fire. When, when it touches one person, the next person they touch. Yeah, yeah. That's good. It's like, I mean, it's like uh, something that we just went through. One person gets it, the next person gets it, except it's the Holy Spirit, all right? Um, but it spread all over the country from Kentucky to Ohio to New York, like all of these, at that time, all these major areas right. where people are at. Um, and by the time 1850 comes around, so this, it's 50 years that this revival takes place, okay? But over those 50 years, the U.S. population had jumped all the way up to 23 million people. Okay, so it went from 5 million to 23 million. So that, that's four times the number of people that are living in this country, okay? And in that same amount of time, the number of Christians which, if you, I mean, if you're like, oh, growth is 4%, it'd probably be 4%. No, because there's a revival, it's 10%, okay? So 10 times, not 10%, 10 times the number of people that knew Jesus, 50 years later, 10 times that number of people know Jesus now. Wow. Okay, at that, at, at that particular time, 1850, okay? So, literally, that means millions of people over the course of 50 years have come to know Jesus through this radical movement where... The spirit is just touching people and changing people's lives. Yeah. Okay, and I mean to make that even more impressive, it's like I said, it's this is taking place in the 1800s. Like you think about, you know, how easy it is to like get the word out today, where you can like post something on social media. No, that's not a thing. All right, people are literally going around preaching God's word, yeah. written word. It's, it's crazy to think how many people were saved in that time in that revival because yeah. the Lord was like, no, this is what's going to happen, and these people are going to be saved. Well, yeah. And millions of people come to know Jesus in that time. Uh, but then, moving on from, from the, the second great revival, um, fast-forwarding another you know, 55 years or so, in 1905 and 1906, there were a couple of revivals that, that took place that are you know, mentioned quite a bit. Uh, but that's the Welsh Revival and the Azusa Street Revival, okay? Um, these actually take place kind of in the same time for about a year apart from when they start, but they take place on opposite sides of the country, okay? Which is it's just very interesting to see how that happens, because um, the, the Welsh 
revival starts in Pennsylvania, okay, and it spreads all over the East Coast from Michigan to New York down to the Carolinas and Georgia. Like it just it takes up the entire East Coast, okay, um, which is incredible. Again, resulting in millions of people being saved this time in even a shorter amount of time, um, but ten, like within like a ten-year time frame. All these millions of people are, are coming to know Jesus, okay? And then on the other side of the country, there was the Azusa Street Revival, okay? It started in a small home in Los Angeles, all right? And um, the way that they that they have recorded the, the way that it happened is um, these guys, seven men, are meeting in this living room of this home, and... They're just praying for revival. They're praying for the spirit to fall on them. Yeah. And it does hard. It knocks them out of their chairs. Like, that is legit. Like, I don't, I, that's all the way I can say. It's like, that falls hard on them. <laughs> and they get up and they start speaking in tongues. And it sparks off this crazy revival that, again, this one also lasts for 10 years, okay? Um, but they quickly outgrew the house that they were meeting in and had to move into like an old, dilapidated church building on Azusa Street. That's why it's called the Azusa Street Revival. Um, but again, over the course of those next 10 years, like just hundreds of thousands of people are flooding into this tiny little church just to see the presence of God yeah. moving in these people and this revival that's taking place. Okay, it, it's just, it's wild. And we'll fast forward again, all right? Because there was the Jesus movement in the 1970s, okay? Yeah, I told you, this is a brief history, all right? So, just giving everything quick. But the Jesus movement in the 1970s, when everything was about drugs and sex and crazy political statements and, and all that kind of stuff, um, it was just, the country was in a really crazy yeah. spot. And this revival, again, started in California, but it spread across the entire country. Like through college campuses everywhere, it even ended up spreading into Central America and over to Europe. Yeah. Like it just everywhere. This revival went everywhere. Um, but there were thousands and thousands of testimonies of, of people's lives being radically changed by Jesus, and just people leaving lives of drug addiction and sex addiction because it, because they they caught the Holy Spirit. Yeah. They showed up to a revival meeting heard someone speak about Jesus, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they just flee the old life that they had and move into what God has for them. Wow. It's incredible. Come on. But again, that one, that, that one also lasted about a decade, about 10 years. Um, and over the course of, of that revival, again, just millions of people very quickly coming to know Jesus throughout the entire country. Yeah. Like there, There's stories of um, the conference that we just went to, there was a guy there that was talking about how his involvement in the Jesus movement yeah. and how he would go speak at colleges and they would have testimony after testimony of someone that would get up and be like, I used to be hooked on drugs and now I'm hooked on Jesus. Like that was like their tagline was like, if you have a problem with drugs, come see us because the Holy Spirit will kick that out of you. Okay. Um, it, it was just incredible. Um, but the last revival that I'll touch on here uh, was started in 1995, okay? And it's, uh, it was called the Brownsville Revival down in Pensacola, Florida. Um, 
And at, actually, at the same time, there was multiple revivals happening, like in Florida, in that same area, it was like a huge thing going on. Um, but really, the, I mean, the Brownsville is one of the most notable because um, it happened like in this singular church, okay? Um, but over, over the course of the next five years, from 1995 to the year 2000, they would have more than four million people show up to their, like, their Monday morning prayer services. Come In five years, they had four, over four million people show up to these services, okay? Um, they would have lines out the, like, just out in the parking lot for the entire day because people are sitting in the parking lot because they want to get back in the building to have a, another encounter with the Holy Spirit, yeah. to just experience what the Spirit was doing. Yeah. Like, they would end a service at night, like, they would have a night service, end it, people would go get their sleeping bags, line back up, stay out in the Florida heat all day long to try to get back into the building for the next evening service to yeah. experience the Holy Spirit. Now, what Zach was talking about, I don't know if that, if you're not, if you're thirsty like that, if you ain't thirsty like that, then, dude, what are we doing? Because I want to be thirsty like that. Like, I want to be so radically moved by the Spirit that yeah. like, that's all I can physically do is just, I'm waiting, I, I, need to, I need to see, I need to have the Spirit touch me again. Like, that's what I want. Yeah, good. But they had services almost every day, and they were experiencing crazy miracles happening at every single one of these services. Um, again, you don't have to take my word for it. You can do a simple Google search and look it up on YouTube. There's videos of all this. It's a grainy old video, but you can see it. It's insane what happens when they give an old school altar call and just like say, hey, if you need to get your life right with Jesus, come down to the, to the altar here and encounter him, and hundreds of people are just all over the place, up in the front. Like, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. Um, but by watching those videos, I mean, like I said, you can see how the Holy Spirit moves through those people and just how hungry they are to experience him. Yeah. Okay, They want to be in his presence so bad. But that's enough of a history lesson for you, okay? So you can... If you're one of those people that doesn't like history, you can come back in now. Um, but I, I know that I didn't do any of these revivals justice in terms of the things that actually happened because I'm just trying to touch on them real quick. I'm not trying to, you know, I can stand up here all day and talk about one single meeting of one single revival and everything that happened. But uh, it, just seriously, look it up on your own later because it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, it's amazing what happened, what Jesus does for people when they want revival. Um, but for real, I'm not just I'm not just standing up here spouting off facts about revival so that you know I come off as like this very wise teacher either. Like that's not what I'm up here doing that for. Um, I'm simply telling you these facts about what the Holy Spirit has done yeah. because it's so important to know about these things if we want to steward revival well. Yes, yes, okay? that's good. Um, I don't know about you, but after hearing even my brief synopsis of these stories, if you go and research them yourself later and find out more, like after I hear about millions and millions of people coming to know Jesus and the testimony of people's lives being changed, I cannot help but just long for that to happen here 
in, in Grand Rapids, in our city, in our, in our country. Like, I don't know if you noticed the pattern when I was going through those revivals, but there's a revival and then it will, it'll die down and things get crazy. And then there's another revival where people are like, I can't deal with this anymore. Like, I need Jesus. Yeah. This is what I need. Yeah. And, and there's a revival and it floods back. Like, after hearing all these things that happen, I want that back, yeah. guys. I want that revival so bad. And our leadership here wants that revival so bad. Like, that is just a longing of our hearts is to see revival come. So how do we prepare ourselves to facilitate a revival in our city? Because we're believing for it. We want to see it happen, so how do we prepare for that? Well, that's kind of the reason why I wanted to give a, a brief history of these is because we can learn a lot from the things that have happened before us, okay? Um, by taking a look at all of these revivals as a whole and what they have in common, we can learn quite a bit. Because they all are different in some aspect. You know, they, they are, um, you know, some are very specific to one church, one location. Some are widespread across the entire nation or across certain regions. Um, some incorporate a lot of music. And some, like, I was reading about the Azusa Street Revival, and somebody was quoted as saying they didn't even have instruments because when you showed up, you just immediately felt the Holy Spirit and knew that the Holy Spirit was in charge. Wow. Like, that's, they were like, you show up and you feel it, and it's there, and it's happening immediately. Like, you're just, you're caught in it. Come on, come on. Um, and some of them lasted five years, like Brownsville. Some of them lasted 50-plus years. Okay, like the, the, the second Great Awakening was over 50 years long, and there's, there's, there's those differences there, but when you start looking all the way back in Acts, that, that very first revival, and then comparing it to the other revivals um, that have taken place since then, and start looking, there are a lot of things that are the same. There are some very key things that I think are the same, so I'm just gonna kind of run through those for us, just so we understand as we prepare for a revival, because uh, like I said, we believe for it. We, we want to see this happen. So as we prepare, um, as we're getting ready, what are the things that you know really are, they, all these different revivals have in common, okay? And first, I kind of already gave it away, but um, there is always that preparation on the part of the people that are involved in leading the revival. Peter and his disciples were prepared by the time they spent with Jesus. That prepared them. Yeah. They were prepared by the time they spent waiting in the upper room for the Spirit to come on them. That prepared them. And they were prepared by the Holy Spirit itself. They were waiting and preparing for that moment and for that ministry. And that that's the same, just as the leaders that were involved in those the, the revivals since then, they spent months, sometimes years, praying for revival, praying for a move of God to come through their cities. I mean, they, they prepared themselves with the Holy Spirit through prayer and fasting and, and prophecy of revival. Yep. So before the Brownsville revival, uh, their pastor, um, John Kilpatrick, um, he started telling the congregation to pray for revival. Yeah. Just like I'm, I'm telling you, to pray for revival. Yeah. He started telling them that two years before anything ever happened. Wow. 
He was saying, you guys, as a congregation, we need to pray for revival. Okay, he had members of, the, of his pastoral staff having prophecies about revival coming to their church. And they just kept preparing themselves, even though they had no idea when that revival would come. They, they were just preparing, yeah. praying for revival, preparing themselves for when that, when that would come. Same with um, the Azusa Street Revival. I was reading about that, and I believe his name was William Seymour, was the pastor at Azusa Street. And he actually went to L.A. to be a pastor at another church. Um, he was a one-eyed black dude that was all about Jesus. Let's and go. Let's and, go. But he, he showed up at this church to preach. He preached one message about the Holy Spirit and the miracles that, that, that would happen. And the next Sunday, he showed up, and they had locked the door on him and wouldn't let him back into preaching it. Okay? So he went back to the place that he was staying in L.A., and he just started praying. And he started praying for revival for months until that moment in the house when the Holy Spirit came upon them and sparked off an amazing revival. That, that's preparation, okay? We have to be preparing for revival when we are seeking it to happen so bad before it happens, okay? Second, the, one of the, the second thing that I, that I kind of put together here that's the same is in all of these revivals, there were signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit, okay? The revival cannot happen without a move of the Holy Spirit. All right, in Acts, it starts with the disciples speaking in tongues, okay? They're speaking in different languages other than their own native language. They're speaking in a holy language, all right, a holy spiritual language. Then they continued on to, to lay hands and, and, and heal people of, of sickness, and they went on to, to cast out demons for people who were possessed. An angel frees Peter from prison before he can be executed. Like, it's, it's just wild. Miracles, signs, and wonders follow the Holy Spirit when he is present. Yeah. And that was evident even later in, the, in those later revivals as well. I mean, you, there are records of people being healed, um, being overcome with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, um, being so overcome by the Spirit that they lay on the ground sometimes for days, not moving, because the Holy Spirit is just on them, and they are just with the Lord. That sounds insane. I understand that. That sounds crazy. <laughs> Trust me, that freaks me out, okay? But... That's that's what happened. Like legit, there are. I mean, you can see like if you if you like I said if you YouTube the Brownsville revival, you'll see people coming up, laying on the floor. Some are not moving. Some are moving a whole heck of a lot. But the spirit <laughs> is just all over them, and there's nothing. They they're just caught in the presence of God. Right. Come on. These are the things that happen when the Holy Spirit is welcomed into a place and He does His work. Yeah, that's good. People are radically changed. Yeah. So we need to be expecting that. Yeah. We can't shy away from that. I, like I, I said, it freaks me out sometimes, the things that, that can happen. Nothing freaks out God. He's the one that is, is doing the thing, all right? So we need to be welcoming these radical, crazy things that happen into, because that means that the Holy Spirit is here. That means he's working. 
And that means that revival can take place, because like I said, revival doesn't happen without a move of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's great. So let's be, let's be welcoming that stuff in, guys. Get it. The third, the third thing is that people are drawn in to know Jesus, and Jesus is glorified. Revival is all about Jesus, okay? Revival is all about people seeing how awesome our God is, and then coming to know him, and have a relationship with him, and ultimately worshiping and glorifying him. Yeah, that's great. That's what it's about. Revival is not about us. Yeah. Revival is about Jesus Amen. and, and be, him being glorified yeah. through everything yeah. that we do. Yeah. It's not, you know, it, and like I said, like there's, these are all recorded things, so you can call it famous if you want to. Revival is not about being famous. Right. Revival is not about, you know, as, as excited as we are for a building, revival is not about a building. Just because we get a building doesn't mean that revival is going to happen. Because it's not about us. Right. It's about Jesus and him being honored and glorified. Right. Yeah. So that is, that's the third thing here that I want us to keep in mind is, as we, as we are seeking this revival, we need to be doing everything that we can possibly do to just honor and glorify Jesus and everything that we can possibly do to see other people know him so they can honor and glorify him as well. Because people being saved from, from hell, going to heaven, yes, that is incredible. But the thing that, that Jesus, that God is seeking is just, he deserves to be honored. He deserves to be glorified. That's the whole reason for the separation between heaven and hell. Is, are you gonna Are you gonna glorify me or not? Are you gonna be, Are you gonna come into my presence or not? Are you gonna admit with your tongue that I am the one and true God or not? Because yeah. uh, I am worthy of being glorified, yeah. and He is. So we need to do everything we can possibly do to honor and glorify Him in every moment. Fortunately, yeah. you guys can make your way back up here. Um, but I, ret I, I titled this message Revival Vision for a reason. Because if we are going to steward revival well, if we are going to be you know, hosts and vessels for the Holy Spirit okay, to bring revival to these people's lives, we can't just go at it blindly. All right? There's a reason, and I, I'm not a builder. Charlie's a builder. Um, so I'll take his word on this, but there's a reason why when somebody is going to build a house, there's a blueprint that's laid out, okay? Because it's not just the one guy who is going to be building the entire house. There's going to be a team of people working together to build that house, much like a church that is seeking revival. There's going to be many people working together to steward the revival well, okay? But when they start building, if there's no vision, if there's no, no blueprint, then the, the plumber might end up putting something in the, the, the toilet in the living room. The electrician's going to run wires the wrong way. The guy doing the furnace is going to put a vent through the wrong wall. If there's nothing that is showing them the vision of this house, they're going to be going in completely different directions. Okay? 
If there's no vision in the church when it comes to revival, we're going to be going in different directions. There are going to be people that are expecting different things to happen that may not be biblical. They're going to be expecting certain people to show up or not show up. All these, all these human expectations can be set on what a revival should be if there's no vision for that revival. It's the whole reason why I, I went through these past revivals and just breaking down the things that are always the same. Okay? But this is the revival vision that we have as a church. Okay? That we would all be running in the same direction as those first disciples did at that very first revival. That we would be stewarding our giftings well. Okay, not for our own sake, not not so that I can lay hands on somebody and be like, dude, that was awesome. You see what I just did right there? No, not so I can take honor, but so that we can give glory to Jesus for the miracles that are seen. And through that, more people will see the testimony of those miracles and come to know Jesus. It's the whole, the, the, that's the whole thing of the revival. People coming to know Jesus and honoring and glorifying him. But that's our vision for this house, is that we would be continuously praying for revival. Okay, continuously praying for revival. And that we would be seeking a move of God that would completely transform our city and our nation. That's what we as, as a staff have been speaking about, that's what we want to see. That's what we've been praying for. And that's what I'm asking us as an entire church body to pray for. Is just to be seeking this revival. And to continue to do that until we see the revival. Not to get burned out, not to stop. Because we believe that we'll see it. Yeah. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we believe that we'll see it. Yeah. So, as a church, I'm just, because I, I want to see it so bad, guys. I'm just pleading. Just continue to pray for revival. Pray that, that the Holy Spirit would just move through our city. Because, like I said, guys, there's that pattern of, of revival and then a dip. And if there's ever been a dip, this is it, guys. Like, this is a dip. This is that low point where our nation, our, our specifically our city, needs to see Jesus reign and needs to see just a widespread revival of, of miracles and signs and wonders. Just as Peter said, he was speaking to those people just saying, guys, this is it. Like, this is the time. And when that happens, people flood to the presence of Jesus. That's what takeover is all about. So in our mission statement, we exist to see Jesus take over people's lives. That's the whole reason we gather here, Zach. So why are you here? I'm here because I'm thirsty. And I'm here because I know that I have a neighbor that's thirsty. And they have a neighbor that's thirsty. And everybody in our city is just thirsty. And they're thirsting for stuff. They're drinking stuff that won't quench that thirst. Revival sets off, people's thirsts are quenched by Jesus. So we're gonna see if you guys want to stand up, we're gonna we're gonna worship again. We're gonna give God so much honor and glory here because he is good. And we are gonna continue to pray for revival to spark off in this city. Like a like a like a spark to a tinderbox that this whole thing just goes up. That the spirit spreads. And revival just takes over this whole city.
sound good? Yeah. Well, let's worship this. Oh. 